Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth goal for Aberdeen. Cooper puts it in with good when things are going wrong against you if you don't get the breaks of the ball Cooper in with Stewart he didn't really know where the ball was but he got the break and as you say it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time knowing that really all you got to do is crack it into the back of the net Hello and welcome to the latest Here We Go podcast. The podcast that the fans are calling Money Faced and Smarmy. And that's just some of the fan mail from the last seven days. Uh, but here's someone who could never be described as either of those things that's smart and clueless. Oh, Richard, that's possibly the nicest thing you've ever said in your intro for me. Yeah, it, it probably is. Um, also with us this week is one of the Northeast's most successful musical exports and probably the only man in the world who can put both finalists on the voice. And worked at the Pataudry Club shop on a CV. It's Terry McDermott. Hi, Terry, and welcome back to the show. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me back. Then it's another expat on the show tonight. Terry's been away for nigh on 15 years, but this man only moved to Toronto at the start of the year. However, if you've listened to any commercial radio in Scotland over the last two decades, you're bound to have heard his dulcet tones. It's Paul Harper. Hi, Paul. Guys, hi. Thank you for having me. And to add to that, I've worked for them all, so I had to move somewhere else where I've never been before, so that's why I'm in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) What's the main thing uh, you're missing about Scottish life so far? Well, we were saying before we hit record that the, um, I'm I'm not going to say family or anything boring like that, but the the kickoff times, as Terry will agree with me, are pretty screwed up. And I know it could be worse if I was in Australia or New Zealand, but like my children's school finishing is getting in the way of midweek games. Um, so like the upside downness of it all is a little bit strange and not getting to go to games is weird especially with the semi-final coming up and you know the whatsapp chat about who's going where first and you know having to make other plans that does get pretty annoying yeah but yeah that's that's a big adjustment the, the, the one at one thirty in the afternoon kickoff times you're like oh come on really <laughs> There must come a point, though, uh, the the size of the game will dictate that you you decide to come back. I mean, you, obviously for Park Red, people were coming back from all over the world just to make sure they were there. And you'd imagine, should we reach the cup final this time, it'll be the same kind of deal. I'm going to Terry's jet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll get I'll get the CDC here, the, uh, the, disease, the disease control people to send us one immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well oddly for a show this season We don't have a draining defeat to talk about But we can return to one common theme a Serious injury With the news that Scott McKenna's hamstring injury Is a severe one And we'll likely see him miss the remainder of the season uh, Martin, this really was uh, the worst possible outcome We had uh, the show last week We spoke about it And we were feeling fairly optimistic Based on nothing more scientific Than the fact he was able to walk off the pitch himself But uh, that wasn't the case no, it wasn't. I mean, that's that's the that's the length of our kind of our medical knowledge. Um, yeah, really terrible. We hoped it was just a just a strain or something. It seems to be it's you know, it is it's the worst possible outcome. We're kind of hoping that it's it's not as bad. No, this kind of 
they're overplaying the seriousness of it. Um, you do because we do hope, you know, for Aberdeen's sake that McKenna can come back and play some part in the remaining games, and potentially this might be the last we've seen of him in a red shirt as well, which is is, is a little bit sad. Thing is, Paul, we actually have a Scotland international on the bench to fill in for him. So we should be in a good place. Michael Devon did come in last Wednesday to replace him, but it was a fairly shaky 90 minutes for him. Right, exactly. And whilst it's great to have him in the squad, you know, I think that one of the big um, things that gets levelled at Derek McInnes is that he sometimes isn't big enough to make changes. <laughs> Since that game, he did make changes. He's playing on the injuries. Isn't that ironic that we went through such a time of bad injury after a bad injury? Then the last few seasons, it seemed to get better. Now we've got this purpose-built fantastic training facility and I've had the worst season of injuries in God knows how long. But uh, Terry, again on Michael Devlin, I mean this is a guy who should be flying at this point of the, at this season because first Scotland Caps didn't disgrace himself individually, although obviously the team he was in got well beaten in Moscow, um, but he just seems completely unlike the player who, who really did excel for the first four or five months of his Bataudry career. It's, it's a very, very strange thing with, with Michael Devlin. Um, we've all seen performances, we've all seen patches where we see the player uh, that, that Derek McKinnis signed, or at least intended to sign, that we, we can see why he was brought to the club. But then we see these uh, these games where he just looks like the, the you know the baby gazelle, uh, <laughs> trying to fly, baby gazelle on roller skates, where he's getting caught out. His positional sense seems all wrong. Um, uh, he, he's getting beat to the ball, and you know, for a guy that's that's supposed to be fairly dominant in the air, uh, there's been occasions where he's he's been all all at sea. It's a it's a very confusing thing because obviously Steve Clark sees sees the player that we see as well on occasion. But I would argue that considering the form he's had of late. You know, worrying about a Scotland cap is the least of his concerns at the moment. I think if we had a deeper squad, I think he'd be benched because uh, he just hasn't. I don't think he's performed, um, and, I, and I think you know you could argue that part of that is that we're not dominant going forward as we have been in years gone by. So we spend a little bit more time on the on the back foot. Yeah, probably why we eke out some eke out draws rather than getting uh, getting victories. Um, but saying that, if if you can't do it week in week out for Aberdeen and you look completely lost at sea for ninety minutes in a red shirt, then I'm not entirely sure she's pulling on a dark blue one. Well, it was his defensive partner Ash Taylor that uh, gave away a penalty kick early on. It seemed a harsh call to me, Martin. Are you able to justify it? No, it's a non. It's a completely nonsense decision. But I suppose to try and play devil's advocate and to you know to, to give a bit of balance, I, su- I suppose you could say that you shouldn't be turning your back like that because when you do the whole kind of this whole kind of natural position thing gets blurred when you when you do that that's as much as i'm willing to say it was a penalty because it absolutely wasn't at all i mean his arms right right in tight against his body and he's turned he's turned around it just it's an absolute it's a joke of a decision really ash taylor to me did nothing wrong nothing wrong even you know it was his arms couldn't have been any more by his side the referee had a perfectly unobstructed view it was a crazy decision uh, and i know that uh, you're trying to be you know, unbiased there, and I appreciate that. But you know, no, it was it was madness. I, th- I think this has been Scottish referees, uh, Anis Horribilis. This is you know, the, some of the decisions this this season have absolutely defied belief. Um, and you know, then we look at the debacle with the uh, the Cali Thistle player. Uh, it, you know, there has the, this this. I mean, you could probably have a whole show just talking about Scottish referees and some of the mad decisions we've had this year. So I don't suppose you want to go down that road too much. But uh, but that's just another example where. Anybody watching that footage is it would be questioning how did he possibly come to that conclusion, um, and how is that not something that's rectified? Yeah, it's a really curious one because 
I would have said prior to the new reading, the new interpretation of a law that was introduced this year, you could actually have more of a case for it being a penalty kick. But the idea that he has in some way made his body shape bigger or extended it or in an unnatural position by doing what he did is, is rather, rather strange. To be fair, if they weren't scoring from the penalty kick, it seemed like a goal was coming anyway, Paul, because we weren't really at the races for that first half hour, were we? No. No, and I don't know whether like, we've got such a fantastic record uh, at Rugby Park. How can these things go against you? Well, sort of when I see us going to play Kilmarnock, it's almost a given, right? The Dons are going to win. Um, but the writing was on the wall, the wall <laughs> for the first 30 minutes. And uh, you're right, something was going to give. Unfortunately, uh, it was a crazy penalty that Joe could do nothing about. And I think with the second as well, there's an, there's an element of fortune, but again, it's about Kamarnik being on the front foot, Kamarnik asking us questions, the ball takes the deflection to beat Joe Lewis, but again, our approach for that opening half hour, Terry, just sitting back and allowing things to happen against us. You know, I, I speak to my my, uh, my Don's fans, friends, of course, all my, my mates are, are Aberdeen fans, even, even Aberdeen fans over here, actually, and there's a lot of Celtic lads over here that I, I talk to them all the time, we watch the games together. Um, you know, and even they've said when they've sat and watched games with me, they said, you know, it's obvious to them, and obviously they're a little biased, but for me, the big difference is we just don't have the, uh, the creative option through the middle, uh, sitting in the hole. I mean, when we had, and I hate harping back to him, I do all the time, but a player in the mould of Ryan Christie, we spent more time going forward and we were, we were pushing back their fullbacks. They, they didn't, teams didn't get to sit on top of us the way they do at the moment. We seem to get up to last third and just run out of ideas. It's the, it's the white ball. Uh, followed by the hopeful cross, followed by who knows what happens next. It's um, we don't seem to have that that cutting edge. And although the conversion rate for somebody like Gary, Gary McKay Stephen wasn't incredibly high, he was always asking questions of defenders when he was fit. Um, and McGinn's form has been a bit patchy. Uh, we're just not the same unit going forward. We don't have the same cutting edge. We're not as incisive. Um, and as a result, I think we end up spending a lot more time having questions asked of ourselves. Yeah, and I think that's that's. Uh reflected in the possession stats and everything like that we recently don't have the control of the games first and foremost that we used to do and when you don't have that control it inevitably invites more pressure on you I should be fair as well say that we can't put it all on, on, on the lack of an attacking midfielder because I mean we have invested so heavily in the centre of the park I mean the, 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 you could ha- you could fill a you could fill a bus with the uh, the Aberdeen midfield Christmas night out for sure. Uh, we just keep buying we keep buying midfielders from the centre, um, but we're not. I don't think we're seeing the return. I mean, you could argue obviously Bryson's been injured, um, but Dylan McGee, I think uh, haven't, we haven't seen the best of him yet. And Lewis Ferguson obviously has really stepped up the last couple of the last couple of games. But again, he he disappeared as well um, for a hot minute. I, I don't think our mid- midfield has been nearly as dominant as it should be considering the quality that we have got in the middle of the park and there's there's four other guys waiting to replace them if they don't pull it off so you'd think we would be able to hold more and do more but we don't we're just we're just not turning on and at the moment it's an inevitability that everyone can see that it's backs to the walls here we're not changing anything about it it's coming it's coming it's coming it's coming and I know there's a, a certain amount of resilience that we're going to talk about over the the two games that we're discussing today which is a nice change to the past few months' uh, performances, but it, it, it seemed inevitable that the uh, Kilmarnock were going to score totally bossless. Yeah, to the point where they'd, they'd obviously gone 2-0 up, um, but from that position, whether it's that resilience, whether it's just the fact that Kilmarnock absolutely shit the bed when they're playing us, 
we we find a foothold, and it's because of some decent short passing sets Conor McLennan free. His cross into the box, I wouldn't say that he's sought out now again, but at least it, it finds a red shirt. And within the current squad, I mean, we speak about not having that option at 10. It's been interesting the last few weeks, obviously. Um, we've been playing now against centrally more often, and that's who else in the squad would you like that chance to fall to, Paul, other than now again? Well, nobody else. Niall again is the man at the moment. And when he's on form, I know, I know that there's big pressure moments here, you know, when backs are to the wall and we're looking at certain players to step up. And yes, certain players fade away. I guess just with the size of squad we've got and the quality that we've got, that your big players need to have big moments. And Niall McGinn's having them at the moment. Uh, and thank God, because otherwise this race for third, this everlasting race for third would be over. McGinn's actually, I've got to say McGinn, I mean, I've, I've been saying this for years, you know, if he's if he's losing a step on the wing, you only, have, you only have to look back to the first season we had him, I think it was the first season or the second season, I can't remember exactly, but we, when Craig Brown brought him in, and we didn't have the, the out-and-out striker, we played him up front, was it 20 goals he bagged? Mm-hmm. Basically, he, he was a perfectly respectable number as an out-and-out striker, and if he's losing a half a, half a step, on the wing uh, and, and he's not getting to that line or he's not getting the crossing why not play him in the hole why not play him there he's got the trickery and the vision to actually play this. I've been saying this for weeks if we're looking for somebody that can actually offer you creativity in that place and, and do a couple of link ups maybe with a Sam Cosgrove uh, and obviously Curtis May's not doing himself any harm at the moment either which I can't believe I'm saying that out loud um, <laughs> but but, the, but if, if there's anyone that can sit in that hole and actually knock out one-twos and, and, and bring people into the place, surely it's now again. I can't believe it's taken this long to try him there. Why do you think there's been that reluctance, Martin? Is it because uh, the manager expects his number 10 to get more involved in centre midfield as well? or? McGinn isn't really known for tracking back, I suppose. So that's why he doesn't want him in the middle. He doesn't want his number ten coming back or pulling back into like defensive midfield and stuff. But I think I think there has been a, a point as well where McGinn. I've said this so many times on here. I believe that McGinn, in terms of like just technical ability, McGinn's the best footballer we we'll have. I think McInnes has decided that his best use is out wide. He's obviously changing that because he's brought in Kennedy. McLennan has been in has been in a, a, a decent kind of run of form. Um, we have no, so we have options there. So I think now he's been able to to, to experiment ever so slightly and put McGinn through the middle. Like I say, I think he's an excellent footballer. He's no, he's no, he's great in the ball. His distribution is excellent. I understand there's all these kind of lazy criticism of him about how he looks disinterested and all that. I'm not really, I'm not really for that. Um, I think he's like I say, I think he's an excellent footballer. And through the middle is somewhere where it just seems we've not done it. And now that you've seen him there, it's almost like a no-brainer. Is it? Why have we not done this before? I think as well, actually, he's, I, I, there is an argument to say that he's probably the most naturally talented player in our squad with the ball at his feet. Maybe over a longer distance, pinging down the wing, he maybe hasn't got the same speed that he did when he was, you know, twenty six, twenty seven. But he he's still got a yard on most players, and he still gets gets a little step on them and, and gets a pass in or a cross in. So when he cuts inside as well from the wing, I mean, we know how dangerous he is. He can hit him from just about anywhere. So I love the idea of him sitting in the middle. And if it's not a one-two, maybe he gets that yard on the on the centre half and pops it in the top corner because he's one of the few players in the squad where if he puts himself in that position, he's odds-on to score it. Conor McLennan, uh, you talked there about um, him maybe filling that right wing spot. Well, in the youth teams and the reserve teams, Conor was always a striker and it uh, he really showed that striking instinct, Martin, with his uh, finish for the equaliser. Just 
very much like his goal against Hamilton the other week, just finding that half yard and being able to uh, attack the ball well. He's okay. He's been played out wide, but when the when the play is on the was on the other wing, you no know, Kennedy had the ball. You no, know, they were double they were doubling up at times on on Matty Kennedy, um, but he has that you know, that quick movement and um, just that, that finds that little yard towards the touchline, um, gives him a tiny bit of space, and he gets the, a great cross in. And you want McLennan, McLennan, you want him drifted into central positions when. The, the ball's on the the opposite wing, and yeah, he just he just kind of finds that space, just throws himself at it. You know, it was a, it was a very good header. You know, I mean, you know, we're talking about it like like kind of like we were for the the goal in the in the cup game, where there's just you know the the marking the marking in the box by Kilmarnock was 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 pretty atrocious. But that's not to take anything away from away from McLennan because you know he's got to he finds that space himself. Um, and he isn't being picked up, and yeah, great header. And find, you know, we find ourselves, you know, from from a position that didn't look particularly likely, we find ourselves right, right back in the game. And then when we, you would have thought that the momentum was with us, and we could have gone on and perhaps taken advantage of what must have been a very nervous Kilmarnock mindset, given everything that we've done to them at Rugby Park, the many, many ways in which we've hurt them over the past uh, decade. We seem to just see the advantage back to Kilmarnock again, Terry. Why do you think that was the case? Do you think it was just tiredness, fatigue? Do you think the team thought they'd done enough? I, I think we've touched them inappropriately so many times over the years <laughs> that they, they, they can probably they can probably smell it coming now. Um, I mean, they must have it rattling around in the back of their heads when it gets to that position. I mean, we, we certainly see nervousness creep into our play, considering our our, uh, our form this season. And I don't think Kilmarnock are any different. They're not. There's definitely patches where they've not been hitting the heights. So same sort of thing. Apply some pressure, and you'll you'll get results against most SPFL defences. I mean, outside the old farm, God, even look at Hearts. I mean, this is a team that if you they'll push too hard, they snap. So, yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I think it's probably form on their part, and uh, also, uh, again, if we're on the front foot, which obviously we're used to being a bit more, or at least being a bit more incisive going forward on the counter attack. We can we can get results, but we just spent too long on the back foot. What about Paul? Is there a frustration from you, Paul, that we weren't able to to press on and get the winner once we got back to two two? Or are you happy just to say two 0 down, difficult away venue, take the point? To be honest with you, um, I, I looked at it and thought, well, look, it's a point saved. Sometimes you just need to draw a line under it. Right, we're out, we're out of this. We kind of got away with it a little bit after that start. I know maybe at the end of the season we'll look back and go, well, you know, we should have won there or we should have pressed on here or pressed on there. But at the same time, as we're just saying, you know, you push forward for that third and get hit on the counter or a stupid mistake happens. Um, And everyone then says, oh, God almighty, what were we thinking? Why did we do that? I think to come back from 2-0 down shows a hell of a lot of character. Um, I I, I think it's great that we're talking about a draw rather than getting... I don't, I, I don't, I think, I think you're right. I, I think we, we don't like hearing the phrase. I know fans get sick of it, you know, especially with McInnes. He gets uh, the accusation of negativity leveled at him fairly regularly, but I mean, nobody likes to talk about game managing when you're, you're, you're sitting on a draw, but we have been a bit flimsy at times. I mean, we can, we can show real resilience against the old farm, or certainly Rangers, um, and then the next week just give away the most mystifying goal and put in just an absolute turd of a performance. So when you get to 2-2 at that point in the game, Maybe it's just about right now getting the point. All right. Well, we spoke about Scott McKenna's injury. Obviously, to try and uh, negate that, well, not negate it, but to try and counteract that, uh, Tommy Hoban, who was with us on loan last season from Watford and is now a free agent. 
Fighting back from his latest cruciate injury, he's been training with us last Thursday, Friday. Second child was born over the weekend, uh, but was due back here to train again today on Monday. Uh, what do we reckon on Tommy Hoban, Paul? Um, good signing or just too much of a risk given his injury history? No, I think that's a yes for me. Um, I, I, I do think that because that happened when he was playing for us, there has to be a level of something with the training and with the rehabilitation, which I know the club has done. I know that we've paid to bring him up and got him in the hotel. But you know what? It has to be a pay-as-you-play deal. I'm sure it would be a pay-as-you-play deal with like a basic and, uh, and some sort of uh, appearance uh, structure or something. But it's a yes from me. There's a good player there, isn't there, Martin? Oh, yeah, there absolutely is. You know, we saw... No, we saw enough of him to know that there's a really talented player there, and it's be delighted to have him back as well. If it's if if it's not as some sort of pay as you play thing, I, mean, I think at least we can sign up sign him up until the end of the season, um, and then hopefully we can if he can sort last until then, and he you know, he shows no ill effects. I know will be unlikely. You know there probably will be a lot, maybe a yard of pace will be lost because you, know, you just that type of injuries. You know, you don't come back and be one hundred percent. But if you can come back and you know be be the be you no know, in terms of on the ball, he was really really talented. Um, I'd love to see him back here. And yeah, it's it's a definite yes for me. Signing him until summer, Terry seems to um, seems to make sense in some respects. But he must be miles off being match fit. Oh, absolutely. Um, he's obviously not spent an enormous amount of time at peak fitness as well over the last few years. So you could argue that even if we, we bring him in that we haven't seen the best of him and I, I take Martin's point uh, you know he, he may, may will he have a, a will there be a loss of pace who knows um, but he, one thing's for sure I thought he looked the, the most talented centre half on his day albeit we only saw a couple of those days um, but when he was on the pitch and when he was uh, those moments when those moments were happening he looked like the most talented defender there so it's definitely yes for me but it is definitely a gamble the, the summer has to be where you, you kind of draw a line he's, he's obviously going to have to work hard uh, in our shiny new training facilities to, to prove to the management team that he can make the step up and, and go week in, week out. And I'm sure he knows as well himself that it's it's not a it's not a hundred percent, it's not a guarantee. He has to come back and work and see where he is. I mean look at Craig Bryson. This is a guy that was meant to be an absolute season changer for us. And uh, we've we've just seen him a handful of times. So we can't afford to do that again. Derek McInnes can't afford to do that again because you know, poor recruitment when you're supposed to be working two two summers ahead or two two uh, transfer windows ahead, poor recruitment two years in a row really really hammers us. So this is when we have to get right, especially with the looming loss of Scott McKenna uh, for an ever dwindling transfer fee. Uh, we have to get the next centre half we bring in right. Okay, uh, moving at matters off the park, the red shed. Well, let's talk first about the original, and some might say the best red shed, uh, the event at the Shed Nightclub in Glasgow. Paul, you are very much uh, one of the men behind this, and it's coming back. See, so I'm in Toronto, but we're still pulling all the strings. So the good news is it's happening before the Celtic game on the... Sunday at Hamden, uh, and all the details will be going out on our Twitter, which is at Shed is Red. Uh, look, imagine if you could actually do that inside the stadium. We have 800 people come every time. Uh, it's sold out last time. Well, sold out, it's free to come, but we got rid of 800 tickets in like five seconds. They went off of the, the, the ticketing site and all the supporters clubs get their numbers as well. So we're going to be doing that again before the, uh, before the semi-final. Um, as always, it's an open invite to our honorary Shed is Red President Neil Simpson, who's come a couple of times and addressed the crowd. Unfortunately, um, these events always seem to be the best part of the day uh, because we've never done one when we've won a game at Hamden. 
Um, so I don't know whether that's the... I don't think it's the event as such. It's probably more what happens after it. But uh, I think we're due a day where we have a great party beforehand, but it's not the highlight of the day. <laughs> and what was the thinking behind, you know, when you first kicked it off, Paul, you know, what was the thinking? Just the fact that there isn't anywhere, there hasn't been historically anywhere sort of in the hand in environs. Supporters clubs would go off to their own sort of bowling club or wherever they went to before a game. There wouldn't be one kind of space where everyone would congregate. Was that part of the idea or...? Exactly right. So I'm part of the Glasgow Reds, or what was the Glasgow Uni Reds beforehand, but I think rebadged it because no one's at uni anymore. Everyone's far too old. Uh, but um, yeah, look, be, living in the city, I think it's quite nice to take a bit of ownership of something in Glasgow that's an Aberdeen thing. For me, it was a no-brainer because I have a great relationship with that nightclub anyway. Um, and it was it was like somewhere to put on a party, you know. Let's. What better way of supercharging the event? And sometimes it's pretty cool when you like stand inside Hamden and you go, well, you know, 10%, of, well, maybe not 10%, 5%, 10%, whatever, depending on the game, of our support was with us beforehand, or one and ever heard many thousands have been supercharged by us. Uh, let's do our bit and send everyone into Hamden um, rocking. So look, it's just one of those, let's put a marker down in Glasgow and, and make a, sort of a good Aberdeen thing. Out of all my work, things that I've done has been one of my favourites. Certainly like DJing with Demi. <laughs> <laughs> something we probably would never expect to do, but it was, uh, how do I, what's our press next, Paul? I don't that one, somebody you'll be fine. Um, they've been pretty great parties, to be honest, and anyone that's come, thank you for coming. Uh, I remember stressing out at the start when we did our first one, I think it was Dundee United then. Semi-final going, oh my god, what if no one turns up? And we went downstairs 15 minutes before opening and uh, Hugh was round the block. So we'll try again on the uh, on the 12th. Yeah, it's not as if uh, these need any sort of plug. It's going to sell out anyway, so keep your eye on the Twitter feed. Try and get tickets. If you don't get tickets in advance, there tends to be the option to get in on the day, doesn't there, Paul? Just say you're on Mark, Martin and Richard. <laughs> Excellent. I've never, ever been on a guest list ever before. So <laughs> um, so that's us sorted for the semi-Martin, so that, we don't have to worry. Uh, but in terms of the other Red Shed, news last week that um, the obviously the initiative for the Markland End to be a, a sort of home end, an all-singing, all-dancing home end where folk can sing and swear and shout and stand and uh, do whatever they want, more or less, for 90 minutes. That's going to come back for, for the entire season next season, Martin. So so that's a good thing. Obviously, that's a good thing. At least I believe it's a good thing. I'm sure you do too. It does obviously lend itself to some implications for other parts of the ground, doesn't it? Well, I heard, don't know about yourself, but I heard through Twitter, obviously a few people have posted on Twitter, they've had letters from the club uh, saying the upper RDS is going to be closed. I, I, I think I can understand. I think, I mean, I don't know how many season ticket holders are up there. There must be, what, maybe 250, maybe 300 at most. I can't think it'd be that many. And I think it means they're trying to, they're wanting the stadium to be full because obviously they've spoke about atmosphere. You can't just have, is it 1,600 or whatever it is, 1,100, whatever it was at the, at the Red Shed. Um, you're, wanting more, you're wanting more atmosphere other than just that one end. Um, so they're want, I think they're obviously wanting to try and bunch people together. One of the concerns that does obviously come from that is that if they're going to bunch people, if they're wanting to bunch people all together, is that perhaps you know there is a worry that a further section of the south stand might be given away to Celtic and Rangers fans. Um, I'm kind of hoping that's not going to be the case. Cormac's made a lot of right noises since he's since he's taken over from Stuart Milne. Not seen anything official. Um, so we're, this is just sort of maybe bracing yourself for a worst case scenario. But there is a concern, obviously, that they're going to give away fans more tickets. 
which I wouldn't be a fan of. I mean, I mean, I'm sure we, we've all seen Aberdeen teams in the past, not necessarily on the Derek McInnes teams, but we've seen Aberdeen teams in the past absolutely buckle with the intimidation coming down that whole side of the ground. Um, right up until it's past the halfway line, isn't it, where the the second banner barrier was? Um, I'd be I'd be really unhappy um, if we do give them that give them that extra section, particularly as you're closing the, the RDS upper. Um, so I'm hoping that's not going to happen. But the positive thing is 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 like you say is is the return of the red shed. It, it's been a success every time it's been done. Um, it's almost been a no brainer. Okay, some people are going to be unhappy. Some people are going to have to move under move out of the the Merkland stand. They can be accommodated. Um, the club, I think the club have said they're going to accommodate them as best as they can, and they'll basically have first pick a first pick of seats that are available, which is probably the best they can do. The the positive thing is it's fantastic. This is coming back. Um, I think it's something that needed to be done. It doesn't matter where the se- this section was. The fact that there needed to be a section with people, like-minded people, all getting together um, and being able to make a noise. So, another kind of check in the check in the po- positive column for Cormac under his uh, stewardship of the club. Well, Dave Cormac is obviously very heavily influenced by what he's seen at Atlanta. Uh, and Paul, you got your first taste of the MLS experience in person um, by going along to a Toronto game at the weekend. Uh, so, how how did that match up really with the SPFL experience? Well, I saw Gary McKay Steven <laughs> for a second leaving the game. Gary McKay Steven uh, came on as a substitute, and I didn't realize Ronnie Dyler was the manager of um, New York City. So I got the, had the pleasure of both of them at the weekend. Look, the Toronto FC in this city that's full of sports. Anyway, uh, I found a, a, a stadium that's colder than Pataudry on a Saturday afternoon. Don't believe you. Um, yeah, Twenty six thousand people into this. First game of the season, they can fit thirty-one thousand. Um, it's a different spectacle, and I, I, I don't know how I feel about like Aberdeen Motherwell with fireworks before it, and you know some guy driving around in a pizza motorbike delivering pizzas. There's bits that is, like sit well in North America that would maybe look a little bit. Um, we'd get the piss taken out of us if you tried some of this stuff in uh, in, in Scotland. But certain parts of the initiative uh, that they have are great. And by the way, on that, the away fans, and there aren't that many. MLS just because of the size of the, the, the countries that they're it's spanning. Why not? They get stuck at the back of the top of one of the stands here. Why not do the same with the um, McDonald's stand? Keep the, the first 15 or whatever, 10 rows empty and stick the away fans at the back of that. Would seem to make sense, absolutely. Well, the old firmer here put up a net. <laughs> Has to be put a big net, right enough. Um, Terry, you've obviously been out there for, for much longer. I don't know if you've, I know in New Orleans, I don't think has an actual team at MLS level, but have you managed to see any MLS action when you've been out there? When I, uh, when I first uh, moved to the States um, with Drive Blind, when we, we signed to, to A&M, we, uh, I, I immediately uh, took an interest in, in LA Galaxy. Obviously, it was my adopted hometown team. So I took a great interest, uh, me and uh, drummer Dave, who's also in, in Driveline, uh, who's also a big Aberdeen fan, he, him and myself used to, to watch the LA Galaxy games. So obviously since then, it's exploded. It's, it's, uh, it's not even a debate now as to whether it's caught on when, when you know, a midweek game for Seattle still pulling in uh, 25, 30,000 people, then, you know, it's not even, a, it's not even a, an argument anymore. I've wa- I watch it fairly regularly, actually. I sit and watch it with my son. Uh, my son obviously takes an interest in watching Gary McKay-Steven as well, see how he's getting on. But 
a bit like playing for Aberdeen. He's spending an awful lot of time on the bench now. So. There, there's good things that they think that, that obviously Dave Cormack's looking at. Like you can buy shirts in all parts of the ground. You can go in any gate. Maybe at the new stadium we'll have this, and you can walk around and you can meet your mates and you can have a beer and you're treated like a human being. The good stuff they do, and they've got the ultras end that. I guess we're trying to do with a red shed. They have smoke bombs that go off, but like it's controlled. But it's still like you can't tell. It adds to the atmosphere. It adds to the it adds to the occasion. And by the way, the only difference is if you're wondering how booze works, it's so expensive that no one gets wrecked. <laughs> um, so that's the trick. That's why it works. It really is actually. It's exactly the same in the NFL. I'm, I'm a big New Orleans Saints fan. I go to the Superdome whenever I can. And uh, it really is the case. If you want to get wrecked at wrecked the football, you better take out a mortgage beforehand. So, yeah. <laughs> I've got to say, I don't think that would actually stop uh, a lot of folk from around here. But that's that's just no, Scotsman right, for actually. you. So. Probably probably the wrong country to try that. Test that feeling. So. <laughs> All right. I should say actually, the, the MLS, the fans here. Um, you know, I think the, 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 the comment you just made there was absolutely right, which is we just couldn't get away with some of the things that they that they no. do. You have to applaud. You really do have to applaud how, how uh, well, I guess they've got a much more open mind. They've got a, a much more blank canvas. We've got 100 years of curmudgeonly bureaucracy behind us. And, you know, we would, a lot of the ideas would just get laughed off the pitch. But over here, they get to apply a lot of the sporting uh, marketing premises that they've, they've had in other sports and it seems very seamless so a little bit jealous of that in a way people don't people wouldn't find it strange you know as a result they just find new and exciting ways of getting people in through the turnstiles we just we're just handicapped and that we can't we can't do that well my daughter's first game was on saturday and we went down and they said hey you know it's your daughter's first game here's some free stuff what player does she like there's some postcards give her a certificate it's your first you know little things and i don't i've never taken um Chloe openly as a hey it's our first game what can you do if it's Audrey but when I did take them to the football we had a pie it was miserable they watched my phone it was a draw in the cup against Sten Stenhouse Spear or something and then we went home that was pretty much it so um, it was a different it's a different level of engagement and look if for families and things I think our new stadium whenever it comes will have a lot of these great things and they're only going to make lots of money for the club and that can be a, only be a good thing absolutely well, that's interesting, both of those chats, because I think they chime in. We spoke to uh, Jason Longshore, who's a journalist who works closely with Atlanta, when this whole partnership deal was announced. And it chimes with a lot of what he was saying about what they do at Atlanta. So, yeah, very interesting. Back to matters on the park, though. Hibs on Saturday. Uh, it's been a strange time this season, because normally Hibs, if there's one constant, is that we can usually get the better of them quite comfortably, but hammering at Easter Road back in December, and we were very lucky to escape with a point, uh, going down to nine men eventually against them in the first home game. Forehand, the the most interesting thing, I think, Martin, was the, the change in formation, going to three at the back. Michael Devlin getting dropped. Somebody commented and said it was um, it was just a formation to try and avoid playing Michael Devlin, which is a little bit harsh. But uh, I mean, what I thought it was was a formation to try and beef up the midfield, to try and get Kennedy matched up against the pace of Martin Boyle as well. Did that make sense to you? How we lined up, or was it were there question marks? When we saw the lineup, you know, you kind of did think, is it going to be a three? Is it going to be you no? Know, it's, it's obviously not going to be a five because Kennedy isn't going to be playing left back, so you knew it was going to be a, a three. Like you say, beefing up the midfield, obviously having getting McGeeck, McGeeck in there, um, who I thought had an excellent game, Ojo as well, and um, the pair, the pair of them, the pair of them plus Ferguson. Ojo perhaps not so much, but I thought McGeeck and Ferguson were were excellent um, for the most part uh, on Saturday, um, and it did work. You know, Kennedy. 
Kennedy and Boyle was quite an interest, it was quite an interesting wee battle. Um, it was quite, no, not that it doesn't happen very often, but it was actually quite entertaining watching the pair of them coming up against against one another. It is harsh and harsh to say that's why the change was made just to get Devlin out of the team. Um, oh bless him. No, I don't think the three at the back necessarily worked. I mean, I liked the I did like the rest of it going forward. Perhaps Logan perhaps isn't the right option um, in a defensive three. If if the, if the lads all went out for a night out after that game, he was probably but had to buy a few rounds to say sorry to some of them um, because I think he had another another poor game as well. Um, but I liked every, I liked it going seeing that going forward. You know, having the two the two wingers, the three in the midfield, McGinn again supporting the the the, the striker. Um, I really liked that. It just it just that that defensive three. If we're, if we're to do that going forward, we need to have. We need to get better mid- better defenders, basically, which you know that possibly could be, you know, in five or six games' time, Tommy Hoban one of them, um, because th- th- that three particularly didn't work. Aye, but I mean, presumably Logan is in that three because he has much more pace than the other options, and a, a back three, for example, with Devlin, Constantine, and Taylor is uh, well slower than a week in jail, to use the the popular yeah. phrase. Um, Careless some snakes being, being made at the back all over. Um, and Big Joe Lewis, um, again, some, some tremendous work. The one-on-one with uh, Ghislaine and the, the save from uh, the header from Deutsch. Absolutely just what we've come to expect from uh, Joe Lewis, I, I think, Terry. Lewis is, uh, I don't think anyone would really argue with it. I think Lewis is, is up there with uh, the likes of, of Leighton and Snelders in terms of... Uh, some of the things that he can pull off and, and keep you in a game. He's just a fantastic goalkeeper. Uh, and he's probably saved our bacon on more than one occasion uh, this season. Um, particularly against this game, I, 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 you were saying before, you know, we comfortably get the better heads, but uh, I've always thought that Martin Boyle, especially being from Aberdeen, I feel like he saves his best performances against us. Uh, there's been times where he's, he's kind of ran free against us. And yeah, Kennedy definitely pinned him back uh, a little bit. And I think Kennedy actually looks really lively. I really like the way he's shaping up. Can I hold my hands up and say that I was properly dying on uh, on Saturday uh, morning? So I watched the extended highlights, and about half of the highlights were just Joe. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, half the compilation was Joe Lewis getting us out of jail, and and the awesome uh, back heel uh, uh, from uh, from Lewis Ferguson that, that was retouched the death. Yeah, that was fantastic. Just a great piece of skill. Just remind you of what a talented footballer that kid is. Well, someone else that uh, returned to the starting eleven on Saturday, and to my mind, Martin gave us his best display in a red shirt. Uh, we spoke about him in passing earlier, but Dylan McGeoch was added to that midfield to beef it up a little bit, extra presence in there, and playing against his old team seemed to inspire him to a level we haven't seen yet. We were hoping for that pre-match as well that you know we knew fine that they were going to be you know the the visiting Hibs fans were going to be right on his back and they were quite a noisy bunch for what sixty six minutes then they kind of they quieted down he certainly he certainly helped shut them up as well again this was his best his best game in a red shirt and I mean he's he's kind of struggled and we've been a bit we've kind of hummed and hayed a bit about about him on here he, he sat back him and Ojo I thought did did a brilliant job you know, Ferguson was able to. Was able to kind of get forward and help out, help McGinn out more as well. And you know, Ferguson was was just was that was so good as well. No, even, not even th- talking about his goal, but yeah, Ferguson was was great as well. McGee just just like the right thing of breaking up the play when needed to be, getting the ball, get, distributing it. Something that we've complained about before is this kind of like the kind of ponderous kind of distribution of like oh they'll wait and then they'll maybe they'll put it out wide. It seemed to be where we're just finding 
finding the right time of getting the ball out wide quickly, uh, which was getting out out to Kennedy or getting out to McLennan. Hibbs then st- Hibbs really struggled with that once we got that got that going. You no, know, and that was all coming from McGee because he was the one winning the ball. He was the one getting that distribution. I thought, and I'd like you say, Richard, I thought he was excellent. We we'd have to mention really much like the Ross County game a couple of weeks ago when Dean Campbell got himself sent off. A lot of that result hinges on the fact that Stephen Whitaker idiotically picked up, well, what really should have been his third red, uh, yellow card of the afternoon, but was indeed his second. But in addition to that, Terry, the manager decided to really go for it by taking off Shea Logan, putting on Bruce Anderson. It meant that you, uh, Curtis Main had actually a proper partner up front. You were really playing two at the back for a lot of the game, which was, you know, Calderwood-esque in terms of bringing out the bugles, but uh, it worked. It absolutely worked. Uh, it's, it's, it's great when, when McKinnis seizes an opportunity like that. And, and to be honest, uh, you know, especially with our luck, uh, where we've had uh, sending offs, or, I mean, again, you could have a whole show talking about some of the bizarre penalties that we've had against us over the season. So when it's another team that's uh, that's mired in misfortune and the and one of their players has a complete brain fart, then absolutely put them to the sword. Especially, um, I, I think Martin's absolutely right. We, we actually looked like we had a second pass in us in the final third. When, when it wasn't on, we moved the ball. We, you know, we, we, we dragged them around a little bit. We looked like we were trying to ask questions as opposed to just put it out on the wing. And when we're in that form, if the manager seizes the, the nettle, so to speak, then and, but we actually go for it. We're always going to cause teams problems. We've got players that can do that. It's just mystifying when we get into that final third in those positions. And uh, and we just we go up the wing and it's, oh, we're out of ideas. It was really refreshing to see McInnes uh, say, OK, we've got them on the back foot. Let's Let's run them through. Absolutely, and the equaliser, Paul, it might have been an own goal, but it, it's down to two things. It's down, firstly, to the quality in Armageddon's ball in, and also the fact we had numbers oh, in the sure. box. We had numbers behind the defender, meaning that he had to deal with it. He couldn't just let it go. Right, I, I think uh, you've got to ask the question, right? But the other thing is that when we're talking about this, right, yeah, we're playing against 10 men now, but as we've seen in the past, sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, everything's going to be plain, plain sailing. So learning how to play against... 10 men was certainly something that it looked like we had learned from uh, with the changes that happened. Look, when you're asking the questions, again, <clears throat> we spoke about Niall McGinn from the last game. You know, with a ball whipped in it at that speed into that area, um, anything can happen. It can go anywhere. And look, if it hadn't been the OG, then there was plenty of other bodies in there that something else could have happened. But again, it's that resilience that we're talking about. I think it's so important uh, at 1-0 down that, you know, Todry's the worst for it and I know that maybe it's just because we're a negative people or whatever but the heads go down and the crowds start to get on the players back and whatever else but answering those questions and uh, and pulling it back uh, was brilliant to see Martin just a word on that third goal I know we've already spoken about Joe, uh, Lewis Ferguson's back heel but I'll give you another opportunity to wax Liverpool about it I think the, the other thing though Curtis Main with that goal he pretty much steals a spot for Friday night doesn't he? Uh, I think he probably have to. I mean, Cosgrove obviously has been out with an, uh, injured. We don't, we don't know how, what condition he's, he was going to be coming back in or how close he is to coming back. So you, you would assume, though, that you know, despite me not being Curtis Main's biggest fan, shall we say, he's scoring, he's scoring goals. I thought the keeper, the keeper probably should have, you know, should have got, should have done a bit better for the for the shot. But no, tough luck for Hibbs. You know, he got he gets a goal, so you know, he probably he's scoring goals. He should be starting, but yeah, that back heel from Lewis Ferguson is just no. We're gonna 
we're going to have that's going to be one of the ones that the, you know, the end of season video um, is just going to be on a loop over and over. Just such such a good ball, such a good player. Uh, you know, we need to get him on like a twenty year contract or something. Just get him signed up for his get him signed up for as long as possible because he is he is a hell of a player. You know, the uh, Dylan McGeoch having such a great game allowed him to to come more into it as well and. Um... You know, I, I think it allowed Lewis Ferguson to be more confident to try more things, and uh, you know, that was all part and parcel of that good performance. I think I see you're absolutely the key word right there. You said it is, is confidence, and, and that's one thing that you can never really argue with with Lewis Ferguson. It, it, even when the, the backs are up against the wall, we're not performing as a unit the way that maybe we should be, especially with some of the talent we brought in. Ferguson seems immune to that at times. Mm-hmm. You know, he just marches around the pitch. You know, arguing with the ref, looking for things. He's just got that attitude. He's just a footballer from his toes up. You know, he's, he's he seems like if you want somebody to help change a game, especially in a couple of years when he's just a little bit older, you really feel like he's going to be that player. He's uh, he's he's. I would like to see him leave from the front a bit more. I mean, you know, it's maybe a bit early to be talking about. Um, but yeah, exactly. But he's he's just got that that attitude where he's he's you know he's trying to referee a game as as well as uh, as well as win it. Um, and he does seem immune uh, to, to confidence. He, he's not the sort of lad. It seems like when things are going bad, his head goes down. He seems to just add an extra yard to his pace and go through players. Maybe that's something that maybe will have to be worked on his discipline. Um, but I'd rather see that than people starting to hide and not want the ball. Very true. Uh, I think it's nine yellow cards for Lewis this season. Um, but yeah, last time, of course, he was at a Hamden semi-final. He came away in some disgrace. Let's hope for a happier outcome in a few weeks' time. Mother on Friday night, we've alluded to. A positive start for a change, because the last few weeks, months, have all been about record-breaking in a negative way. But we're actually unbeaten away from home in 2020. Albeit that's just six games and there's only three wins in those six games, but um, it's something to build on. And obviously in terms of Fir Park, we won 3-0 there earlier in the season. Yet a couple of months ago, they won at Petaudry, thanks to a set piece, coupled with some grim defending. And uh, we were in the middle of our most powder puff of uh, attacking spells. We're not quite doing enough, Martin, yet are we to be confident of going there and winning without any hitches? But you'd still be optimistic about Friday, wouldn't you? Yeah, Richard, I think we can be confident. I mean, if we can play anything like we did from minute 35 to minute 50 against Kilmarnock, then we've got every reason to go there and think we can score. People say no. People are tempted to say it's as bad a run as we've been on. Like you say, undefeated in, undefeated in six games. Um, it's not a, a horrific run. It's just not as good as we would like to be for Aberdeen. Obviously, we want, we want to win every game, so we should be winning six out of six. They're equally, you know, having a really tough time as well. I'd be kind of, I'd be still be quite confident going down there. They drew with hearts, for Christ's sake. Um, so no, they're having, they're having a tough time as well. Um, you know, when you're when you're dropping points, dropping points to hearts, you know, find that things are things are really going in the toilet for you. I, I think that one, when they release the 2020 book of understatements, I think that one's going to be uh, that one's going to be in quotations. Hearts are having a tough time. <laughs> <laughs> but, but listen, look, we know we're one point behind them in the league. Um, you know, there, there, you know, there's no there's no way of you have to kind of talk this game up to the players. You no, know, get down there. We're capable of getting goals. Um, I'm more, I'm confident of us getting goals, you know, especially with Kennedy, McLennan, even Maine, Nell McGinn as well. Ferguson playing the way he did on Saturday. Um, I'd be really confident of going down there. They are they are beatable, um, and I think we are we are a better football inside than them. It's just about us making it a game of football and not allowing them to kind of play 
play for set pieces. I think as well, actually, last time we played them, in terms of uh, turgid dross, we were at the absolute height of our powers. Um, <laughs> I mean, we looked like we just couldn't buy a goal for love nor money. We all saw it. It was pretty horrid. Fan, Aberdeen fans of a certain vintage will, of course, remember having teams that went like that for, for years in a row. <laughs> but yeah, really bad stuff. But we don't look like that. It, we're not, maybe not setting the header on fire. We're not banging them in for fun. But we don't look like that. And I thought against Hibs, albeit with a one-man advantage, just starting to see the little moments, uh, the little touches where we just we couldn't have strung those together last time we played Motherwell. We just weren't there as a team. It looks like we've maybe come out with that a little bit. I know I've just completely jinxed it, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's one of those proverbial uh, six-pointers, isn't it? And uh, throughout the season, it seems to, as well as that the Hearts aren't having a great time uh, t-shirt, let's also put this on a t-shirt. Maybe Aberdeen will kick on from this one. Because how many times have you said that mm-hmm. this season? Oh. That's it. That's the moment. Here we go. And then a, a, a great calamity happens. But the, the, the fighting spirit shown against uh, Kilmarnock, backed up by coming back from uh, a losing position against uh, Hibs at the weekend, uh, I don't think could be any better preparation with what we've got right now for going into this game in a difficult place against the team that are one point ahead of us uh, in the league. Uh, I think I think currently the club motto could be in inverted commas to be next week. <laughs> that, that would definitely be the club motto, the, the motto. Because whether we, we beat Rangers, it's always okay. Well, now we're next week we're going to do it. Or if we lose, you know, miserably to Motherwell, yeah. we'll, well, well, next week we just can't string it together. We surely, 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 with a six point. I mean, really, as you're right, it's an absolute six pointer. Who would have thought that one of the pivotal moments of our season would be a, a Friday night game against Motherwell? But. Um, but yeah, we're here, and if, if we want to turn the season into something that's not going to look horrible on the books and screw up Europe, we have to win that game. It's that simple. All right. Well, that is Friday night. We'll have a minute by minute for you on the Twitter feed, uh, and hopefully we'll be looking at our first back-to-back wins since early November. Yeah. Well, uh, my thanks to Terry McDermott from the Deep South. Terry, thank you. No problem, cheers, thanks for having me. And from the Frozen North, it's Paul Harper. Lads, cheers, stand free, good luck on Friday. Out, keep a lookout for the Red Shed events, Paul. The Twitter feed is... At Shed is Red. At Shed is Red, perfect. And as ever, my thanks to Martin Clunas. Thank you, Richard. We'll be back with you next week, hopefully looking back on that six-pointer with Muddle with a positive result. Until then, come on you Reds.